Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host today, Kami Amaravi, and joined by my co-hosts, Jack Shields and Stephen Brown. Guys, it's Tuesday. Um, we have a lot of things to talk about recruiting. Uh, there's the Sooner Summit stuff out of camp and other random Sooners things. But how are you guys? How are you guys doing, Jack? How's life? Life is not bad. The puppy is high maintenance. He wakes us up at six thirty every morning. He goes to bed at midnight every God, night. But uh, my, we're in high spirits still. He, he's fine. He's wonderful. <laughs> you were, we were talking about this before the podcast. And man, I hate when my fiance leaves like the shades open on my side of the bed and like the sun wakes me up at 630. So I couldn't imagine like a dog doing that. Oh, an annoying little miniature schnauzer puppy barking in the highest pitch humanly or doggedly possible, not humanly possible. But like, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's something. It's whatever. It's a it's a challenge, but we're up to it. Are you an enabler of the whining and you just like cave every time? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Throw a tree. Like yeah. I'll, I'll be like, I'll, well, okay. Confession. Um, we, I sing to him to get him to calm down. What are you, what are you seeing? I sing, you are my sunshine. <laughs> I sing. What is going twinkle, on? Twinkle, little star. I sing old McDonald, but with, Archie for the animal and woof woof here woof woof there. You're the best dog Talks dad in the world. Oh Jack. yeah, I'm a wonderful dog dad. <laughs> but like, uh, I'm, but and it works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. If he keeps barking for ten He's minutes, like, what the fuck is this guy doing? No one. You haven't thrown any like in uh, sync in there or anything? No, or well, no, not yet, not yet. <laughs> we might have to incorporate that, but. If actually had her way, we would incorporate that. Nineties sure. music is very important to everybody's growing up. <laughs> What's wrong with these generations? Uh, uh, anyway, yeah. If he keeps barking for like ten minutes, though, I mean, who isn't going to cave in that situation? We're like, all right, fine. You know, yeah. he must have to take a shit or something like that. So, and like, at that point, you got to let him up. But it's not the initial barking, but after the dog persists, you're like, yeah, okay, damn, you, you, yeah, you okay. You can't keep going. Yeah, you have to cave at some point. That makes but, sense. Yeah. Steven, how's your life going right now? It's great. It's great. I'm still uh, – I'm trying to train my roommate's dog that's still, like, in the puppy <laughs> stage. 
Well, is it is it the one that like that only fetches cantaloupe? <laughs> was that? Oh, I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't mentioned that. So we have a <laughs> cantaloupe garden going on in the uh, the nice. backyard. Well, not anymore, um, because the dog has taken a taste of cantaloupe. Um, it will not play fetch with a ball, a soccer ball, tennis ball, no ball at all. But if you throw a cantaloupe, it will <laughs> it plays ball with a cantaloupe. Okay, so does he not eat the cantaloupe? He like brings the cantaloupe back. Eventually, eventually, this I is think a poor endorsement of cantaloupe, cantaloupe. If he just brings you the cantaloupe, right? I do once think cantaloupe, cantaloupe is like the worst fruit. Cantaloupe and honeydew melon get out. Awful. I think once the cantaloupe finally breaks open from tossing it, that's when it starts to eat the cantaloupe. So maybe it's uh, trained me to just okay, break the cantaloupes gotcha. for it. Gotcha. Makes but sense. But there's about eight, and now there's zero cantaloupes. <laughs> oh man man like that's a that's a that's a that's a weird dog thing like because i remember no you idea. said you said that the other day and i was like that's a weird ass dog like everything is a no but a cantaloupe is well, a full go it was, maybe it was you guys were like can dogs eat cantaloupe <laughs> yeah that's because that's what you texted us <laughs> oh, like, oh, yeah, kill this I yeah. That was just, a weird text thread. I yeah, about that. <laughs> I seared it. I was like, I don't know. That's a good question. And but yeah, God, we got dog stories for days. And my dog is um, he has allergies, so like this man's been rocking a cone because he won't stop eating his feet, and uh, so he's been uh, running into things. So that's been fun the last week. So <laughs> he's he's eager for fall to get here for a different reason because his feet flare up in the spring and summer, but. I guess we should talk about stuff. I mean, I mean, it's pretty important stuff. Sooner Summit, uh, after a lot of doubts, really a lot of heavy doubts on how this thing was going to work, like uh, legally by the NCAA, first of all, but also just like the logistics as far as all those top talents there in Norman. And damn it, it worked. Like you got Kamar Wheaton, uh, Tristan Lee, Savion Bird, uh, got, of course, you've got the ringleader, Caleb Williams himself, all were there, but other several others are there. Um, man, you like, see a slap on the wrist in the future, but it's worth it, don't you think, if you get some five-star kid? Hey, man, B.J. Simmons and lots of people are pissed. Yeah, B.J. Simmons is really, really, really mad. Really he, but, mad. He, but he says people he's not mad. People who are on the internet who say they aren't mad, like Who's four mad? tweets in a row. They're mad. Yeah, he's BJ mad. The, the tech tags guy he's that was still, tweeting today. Oh, no, well, what do you, what do you say? Bobby, Billy. Whatever, the guy with the chin or whatever. Yeah. Billy Lunchy or Loose. Yeah. Loose What'd they something. say? He sucks. Uh, he, basically, the COVID announcement, he was like, well, oh, you hosted 20, 20 recruits right when they had like a thousand cases today. And thought he was like, like hot shit or something. I was oh, like, man. shut up. <clears throat> so dumb. But, I mean, it's it's incredible. Uh, I mean, you have just to get all those guys on campus, like as an unofficial official, and for them to tour campus together and hang out there for a weekend, and not just guys that are already committed, but dudes like really highly rated dudes like Savion Bird, who's been more and more like leaning towards OU, and then guys like Kamar Wheaton who were rumored to be a Texas lean by the Texas folks. And he released the top three and that he wasn't even on on that list, which is fantastic. But it's like a lot of talent. there. like, like 
I look at Danny Stutzman. This dude committed to OU after I've never been been to Oklahoma and Norman because of a virtual visit. So like something for that and to see how first of all he's huge in that picture they took together. They're all he's tall as hell, but it's just really cool for them to actually get to do that and then like have like a bonding for 2021, except by Kobe McKenzie who like forced his way into that group. It's pretty odd. <laughs> like because he was well McKenzie was supposed to be 2021, but like COVID killed that. that yeah. So, but granted, there were some 2022 targets there. The uh, yeah. Gentry kid from was he from Booker T? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and there that, and there was the kid from uh, Deer Santa Creek, Fe. the kid from Santa Fe. Yeah. So he wasn't the only 2022 yeah. guy there. So. Pretty, pretty cool. Pretty awesome that they were able to manage that. The Williams family worked directly with the NCAA, and I mean, Stephen, would you agree that maybe the biggest dudes there that OU needed on campus were Wheaton, Lee, and Bird? Yeah, those are the the biggest targets available right now for OU. And I think, um, you know, just getting – let's just start with Tristan Lee. That's the biggest name. Getting him on campus with his family, that's huge. Because he's never been there before. Obviously, he has a really good relationship uh, with Caleb Williams and his family. And that's kind of how it came about. But um, I don't think OU – I think OU falls out of the race if he didn't get there this weekend. Then, I of agree. course, OU yeah. offering his brother on the Zoom call. I right. Mean, that yes, was a nice I saw that. Well. I mean, like, he is just like what him and Bryce Foster. Him and Bryce Foster are just so big. Like, I haven't seen <laughs> freshman linemen. They're not even freshmen. They're seniors in high school. I haven't seen people, like, humans look like that at 18. Like, like Creed maybe Humphrey Bray came Walker. In. Yeah, Bray was big, but Creed came to the program not like, looking like that. Um, so like they, those guys like are day one guys, and then I, I those guys remind me of uh, Kendrick or what was it? I know the last name is Blackshire. Was it Kendall Blackshire or Kendrick? Kendrick Black. Yeah. Kendrick. I, I I just remember seeing his pictures in like his calves are like the biggest things I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. It's incredible, man. But BJ Simmons, yeah, like we said, is really really angry. He's big mad, and then like me and Jack were talking before we recorded, like how. Like how dumb he looked in his picture and at tech in his early days with like he he looked like he was in an early nineties movie slash like garage band, like bleached hair spiked he, all he over. He looks the like head. he was in the movie SLC Punk with Matthew Lillard. <laughs> like he I did, mean it, yeah. not a not a good look. Um not a look that aged well at all. I mean, he's still salty about going like, he had one touchdown and five interceptions against the Sooners in 03. Jinko Jason played much better than he did, so he's still really salty about that, I think. But, uh, yeah, horrible look. I mean, and, you know, talking about how he isn't mad online and stuff like that, again, typically he looks like the type of person you're not mad, you're very this, mad. He looks like the type of person in those pictures that would put, like, eyeliner on before he would go to a party. Oh, good grief. Like that hair, just, probably that hair that it's the hair, man. It's like the Hellraiser, like pinhead sort of deal, except with just like bleached hair. Like it's like he was in a, in a, in a movie that had like several offspring songs. I don't know. That's what it reminds me of him. That was every movie in the early 2000s. <laughs> For real, man. Like Seth, I, I mean, Seth what, Green and stuff I mean, like that. Early 2000s party movies did for pop punk. Should yep. not be overlooked. Every Gosh. single one of those movies had like a pop punk band in it playing at the party, mm-hmm. and the entire soundtrack was pop punk. It was very, 
It was lightning in a bottle there. Like Offspring. And then I remember Offspring, uh, Blink-182, Blink-182, Sum 41, Sum 41 was a cool one yep. for a hot minute. Jeez. And then people like Avril Lavigne just killed it. <laughs> you a Canadians, big Avril man. fan, Kamiar? Not a big Avril <laughs> fan, but like the the Skater Boy song is pretty. It's pretty catchy, man. That was Avril Lavigne, right? Yeah, that was Avril Lavigne. Yeah, that was that was catchy as hell when I was in like elementary school or junior high or middle school. I don't know, but I was young. But Kelvin Gilliam, like he that seemed like. Kelvin, Kelvin Gilliam's commitment seemed like a lot wrapped up in the Sooner Summit thing. and was like, felt like, I felt like it was way overshadowed maybe because like of the negative PR, so to speak that the Sooner Summit got, even though it was Caleb Williams family like organizing this stuff. <laughs> that was crazy. It's, it's weird. I mean, it's still um, ongoing. <laughs> yeah. It's going to keep going for a while because there's nothing else to talk about right now. Yeah. But, uh, Kelvin Gilliam, Steven, tell me what he brings to, OU's football team, uh, especially as a guy that looked like a Penn State lean early on? I think from an optics standpoint, it's huge. I mean, you're getting a, a guy that's now in the top 100 rivals. He's a defensive lineman out of uh, the East Coast. I mean, that's something that OU maybe five years ago maybe would have dreamt of Yeah, if they could even dream of it. So um, from an optics standpoint, it's huge. As a player, um, he's a guy that can help immediately. I think um, – he might be a guy that maybe redshirts a little bit because I think he, he needs to get a little bit stronger. Um, but, you know, his ability as a defensive lineman playing the inside for Grinch's system is huge. Uh, he navigates traffic well, uses his hands, um, and can really close the gaps. And I, I really see him playing that same role that Redmond and those dudes do. Like, they can go outside, uh, strong right. side defensive end, or uh, go inside at the tackle, and which I think is really good. And uh, that's kind of like the future of Grinch's defense besides – that nose tackle that they want to be a little, a little bit more physical. Um, but I think the best part about this, we already mentioned it, is just the false positivity and the false confidence that Texas fans had in Kamar Wheaton basically saying that, like, DeMarco Murray is just, like, failing in the recruitment and then Kamar Wheaton's expected to put out a top two and then he doesn't do it until 11.59 that night and ends up being a top three. And because the top two, I, I always thought it was OU Texas, and the, he puts out a top three, and it's OU Bama and LSU. That's just like, that's fantastic content. I mean, that's that's stuff you like to see. It just, you don't it's just hate hilarious. To see it. Oh, it, it's just it's just it's awesome. Uh, it's uh, it's just it's just really nice to know that there are still things even before football season that can destroy the hearts of Longhorn fans. I mean, it's just it's good stuff, but. We have camp news for you guys. Uh, rumors of opting out of other players opting out that aren't even seniors, so it might be a next year thing. Um, and other thing going on with the Sooners, along with some interesting stuff about people and position groups being wiped out by COVID. But before we have to do that, uh, we're going to take a break for our sponsors. So here you guys go. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, guys. So in camp, 
Um, there are certain positions that aren't necessarily in the best shape, but there are, you know, and Lincoln Riley's not naming it. All right, let's just get this one out of the way. <laughs> Lincoln Riley is still not budging on a quarterback, even though after Mordecai sat out for a minute, like he hasn't been practicing fully. And you're going to say, oh, well, you know, Rattler's been making some really great throws, but Mordecai, he's alive. Like, I don't understand not naming a quarterback when the season begins in about, what, two and a half weeks? Something like that. I mean, if you just stalk the Instagram photo or videos and all the videos that OU uh, puts out, I mean, it's just Spencer Rattler running the offense. So Mm -hmm. it's not a real big secret there. That's fair to say. It's just like – And also, I mean, I feel like naming him the starter at this point, at the same time, he's getting all of the first team reps right now anyway because Rattler's hurt. So it's functionally useless to really name him the starter right now anyway because it doesn't matter because he's already getting all the first team reps regardless. So it's literally just a PR thing at this point. But, like, and I – when you're a player, you you know, especially those wide receivers, every, the, the the one they all gravitate towards is usually the one that gets everybody's attention as a starter. And, like, the players know who's the quarterback and who's QB1. But just, like, it's it seems like such a formality. It's like that's one of the things – that's like one of the two things that annoy me about Lincoln is that – and there's very few things that can annoy you about this guy that, you know, like has had nothing but success ever since Stoops hired you to basically replace him. Um, that it's it, it, abandoning the run game is one of them because he still has a tendency to do so. And then to play the stupid QB game, like it's Spencer Rather and Tanner Mordecai, and he did it with <laughs> like the only one that would make sense to me is Jalen Hurts and Spencer Rattler. Like, all the other ones have been very obvious. But it's just it's the game we're playing. Even though, like, the QB battle between Bake and Kyler was, I'm sure, actually a real QB battle, which is int- interesting if you actually go back and look at it. But M- Marvin Mims uh, reportedly making moves in practice and being a pretty special playmaker, kind of water bug guy. And Theo Howard is really coming on uh, as far as what's been out there. And... So, with Marvin Mims doing well, with Theo Howard coming along, and then you have other experienced dudes like Obi Obiallo, does that ease the tension on what you guys think about Rattler's targets and receivers that you're hearing about Mims making plays and Howard seems to be a decent guy? Yeah, I think the the health of the overall squad, um, I think that was the big question. And I think, uh, you know, you have Theo Weiss coming back, which could have been a very viable target. But now you have guys that can support it. Um, you have A, B, and C options. So I don't really don't think it's as big of a deal as it was, you know, a month ago. Definitely not. And you're also, with the emergence of Mims, you have two viable options in the slot with Ian Drake Stoops. So I think the depth concerns that you had a little while ago, I mean, you at one point it looked like you were going to be without both. <laughs> both Hazelwood and Theo Howard, mm-hmm. and you weren't sure about Mims at this point. And so, you know, we were podcasting about this a few months ago, and we were – the concern was legitimate at this point. At this, But now, I mean, there's no concern whatsoever. I mean, it's – but yeah. there, you have the – you have ample depth. 
and you have quality depth. Because I mean, Rattler, it he's he's gonna not gonna have a shortage of targets, and he's gonna have a great offensive line in front of him. So yeah, I'm really not too worried about Rattler at this point. It went from like me thinking, "Oh my God, Drake Stoops is your third option at wide receiver," uh, which <laughs> is not good in any situation. Not good. Uh, to now, it's like okay. I mean, like I always forget that Theo Wees is like six foot three. I keep on thinking he's like six foot in like five, like you know, five eleven. That that Sterling Shepard, Duran Neal type. But he was. I keep on thinking he was a big guy. But like Theo Theo Howard, Theo Wees. Um, you know, Charleston Rambo, which we Rambo he seems to get forgotten sometimes. And like so, that's he's like being crowned by some as the number one wide receiver uh, on the on the roster. I think um, just because he's a returning <clears throat> producer, I think people see him that way, but yeah, he, granted, he is going to be this team's best deep threat. Do you think he finishes with the most yards or receptions on the team by the end of the year? Not the most receptions. I don't think, but yards, the most would, yards, yeah. yards would make sense because he, you know, a year ago he was beating people deep a lot, but Jalen hurts. Wasn't really the guy to connect God. with him deep in stride or anything like that. So, now you've got a guy like Rattler who gets rid of the ball quickly enough to where that's a bit more of a reasonable option. Plus he has a bit, a little bit better touch on the deep ball. So yeah, I think Rambo, you can expect a lot of deep touchdowns this year. I mean, so Spencer I think, Rattler just being able to rip it up the seams will open up so yeah. much for this yeah, offense. Of course. I, I, he, he'll average over 20 yards of reception, I bet. So who ends up being the, the most reliable do you think it's rambo or do you think it might be a guy like theo howard i think it's theo howard theo howard yeah and you could also make the argument for stogner being Mm. being a big option right over the middle for spencer rattler and you know young quarterbacks tend to go for their dump off guy and that's a pretty big dude i think i saw some of the guys on twitter make a reference to stogner as gronk I think I saw that, which if they're calling him Gronk, that would suggest how you might be using him this year, which would be pretty cool. I mean, like Stogner's a big dude. Uh, he's he's like a massive, six, six. massive. Yeah, like that's – I mean, when's the last legitimate tight end at OU that's been that big? Oh, I mean – Andrews? I mean, he was like 6'4". Six, six, yeah, Andrews was 6'4 and probably like 240. and But he wasn't, you know, much of a blocker like yeah. Stogner's capable of being. Uh I'm trying to think of a tight end with the blocking chops of Stogner right now. I mean, Jermaine would Grish. you have to? Uh, Brandon Green was a really good blocker, but he was a horrible receiver. Yeah, oh god, I'll uh, never forget he caught that t- that pass at the back of the end zone oh, at OSU, god. and he literally looked down at his feet to make sure he was in bounds, and then he got lit up and dropped the ball. That was the play <laughs> before the fake field goal yeah, touchdown. I it think. was, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, Brody Eldridge was a great blocking mm. tight end. Uh, he played fantastic. for the Colts for a minute, didn't he? He did. Yeah, Stoops he would have played longer him. if he hadn't gotten hurt. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, because Brody Eldridge I, was a, a tight end, then a center, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, Stoops well, loved that guy. Lineman. Yeah, he. But as far as a receiving blocking threat at the tight end position is concerned, we haven't really seen someone like Stogner in a hot minute. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair to say, and um, I'm I'm not surprised that Stogner will get a lot of a lot of snaps this year, just because of his sheer size and ability. It's it's going to be fun to watch. And Oklahoma, I mean, it seems like 
they've been a little shorthanded on the defensive line, especially um, with just like it just all the guys that get dinged in practice and guys that might get sick or whatever. Um, and they're they keep on getting more worried and more worried than the wide receivers because originally I was pretty fine with the defensive line. Uh, then Ronnie Perkins, of course, like he's suspended. And then Hicks tears his Achilles or AC, which one was it? Was this the Achilles? Was Achilles. It was oh, Achilles gosh, yeah. nah. So Hicks does that. Um, and then now there's a rumor. Uh, and it, that's all it is, is a rumor um, that's been said a lot of times. So usually where smoke comes from, there's something to it. That Redmond has a dinged shoulder and maybe possibly opting out for the season because for so they can rehab and not have to play a season half a season healthy or unhealthy with a ding shoulder in i mean if redmond if that if there were any credence to this rumor if it was true at all um what does a d-line rotation even look like i guess it's laron stokes mostly in his spot right right yeah yeah so i mean i I, maybe you get marcus stripling in there yeah, Marcus Stripling in there. But, yeah, Laurent Stokes is a serviceable guy. But, you know, Redmond is a disruptor straight up. I mean, yeah. it's – replacing him is – I mean, I really like Stripling. I like his upside. But he's not going to be as disruptive as a guy like Jalen Redmond. They really needed him to be healthy this year. So, it's uh, – I'm not so concerned about depth still. I, th- I think the depth will generally be fine along the defensive line, even with Perkins out for the first – however many games it is this year whether it's reduced or not but if it's both Perkins and Redmond out I mean you're missing two potential all big 12 guys potential guys with all American ceilings so I mean that's that's concerning with a group that might have trouble pressuring the quarterback this year I mean I just I just look at the guys that they would have available and you know Winfrey uh, Kelly uh, Roberson, Hicks, Stokes, uh, Zacchaeus McKinney, um, and then Isaiah, like Isaiah Thomas. Like these are guys that they would really be grasping at straws with for some of them. Um, and so, like you really, really, I haven't heard Zacchaeus McKinney's name in a long time. So yes, they would be grasping at straws. He's there. he's there, man. He's still <laughs> on campus. <clears throat> but I mean, if especially like you said, Jack. I mean, like though Jalen Redmond is possibly the, one of the most talented if not the most talented defensive lineman in the big 12 he just needs more time and uh, ronnie perkins is of course already an all big 12 guy so if you were to miss out on both those guys uh for at least half a season or a full season i mean you're not doing your defense any favors um but going on defensively with that trend deshaun white has been flipping uh both inside linebacker spots with between the mic and the will but he's always on the field <clears throat> however he's been changing his uh linebacker position based upon who else is in there with him whether it's brian asamoa or david Aguebu, who it was an experiment in the spring to put him at the uh in the mic or in the middle and uh, he went back to of course the rush edge and then with the injury of caleb kelly is practicing with the inside linebackers again so Steven, if Uguebu actually wins that inside job over Asamoa, does that say more about Uguebu or does that say more about Brian Asamoa's talent? I think it would say more about Uguebu because I think, uh, I mean, you look at Asamoa last year in limited time, he was pretty good. He, he had some pretty good plays here and there. Um, never really got back on the field after that, you know, the fifth game or so. But 
Um, looking at Aguebu, he's a guy that's you know high in talent, at least physically. Um, the big question is, does he have the instincts? I think that's where Osamoa kind of wins out. Um, so right. if he can overcome that, I mean, that's that's more he has to do for uh, for him. I mean, as we can see with Kenneth Murray, uh, <laughs> those instincts can be coached. Uh, like you take a guy that was out, had never played inside in his life, and you turn him from a guy with uh, elite athletic abilities, and you turn him into a real inside linebacker in one in one season. No, well, this and, is not over not just series. one season in you know a few months because I mean it was two right. years Incredible. under Tim Kish where he just didn't seem to be on the Had same no idea page where he was. defense yeah. and then you know it seemed like from game one of his junior season he was you know God that Houston right game was so elite he was tackling deals he was flying across the middle and like everybody thought like, he tackled so many guys that looked like a face mask because he would fly across the middle like Tarzan. And like and tackle this dude by his shoulder yeah, pads, like oh shoulder my pad. gosh, yeah. it's incredible. But it's, I mean, it's just you don't make that big a jump in your third year, especially with a brand new staff, unless the coaching staff before was maybe doing something wrong on defense, and also how good of a teacher the new coach was. Like, and, and like we we heard it, we heard it for books. months. You know, we heard it from straight from Kenneth one at Big 12 Media Days last year. He's like, man, Brian Dome's the best coach I've ever had in my life. And it's like, that's enough said. So if you can get a guy like Kenneth Murray, he's played outside his entire life uh, to play inside. And like Iguebu, you're still dealing with, except Iguebu's much bigger, 6'5", 245. Uh, <laughs> like another elite athletic player. And yeah, it's always also only played on the outside. You can do it um, with... Uh, Aguebu, who I think could be really special. I mean, once like, can you name the biggest linebacker since like if Aguebu gets to be the starting linebacker? Can what what's the last linebacker that size at Oklahoma? Six five in the inside. You're talking about yeah, Jordan Evans, like six three, Jordan six four. Evans, I tell you what, when John Michael Terry was inside, he was close, but I mean, yeah. it, he obviously never really got to make a mark inside. Well, he held even like the weight though. Everybody's at like two twenty, two thirty. Guys on almost two fifty, and yeah. just it's incredible. He's just a very long, big, rangy athlete. It's just it it's incredible, and so I think I agree with Stephen that. It would say more about Guaybu because we we all have positive things to say about uh, Brian Asamoah. We exactly. Think he's a I mean, there player. were people who you know, in, myself included, who brought up the point that he sort of fell out of the rotation halfway through the year. But you would think that that has more to do with a solidified rotation down the stretch than it has to do with a lack of competency on his part. Yeah, I especially felt like he with Kelly Kelly fine whenever he was in the game. I mean, he played well against Texas. Yeah, and which was did. a which is a big game for a middle linebacker when you have a guy like a uh, Sam Hard G Ellinger in there, but Ellinger, Ellinger whatever. <laughs> I'll never, I I'll never get it right, and I I frankly I don't care to get it right, frankly. Yeah. Whatever, but uh, yeah, I mean he was perfectly adequate whenever he was in, and he's got a fairly high upside, so. I think I agree. It would say more about David Aguebu than it would about Brian Osmo. And regardless of what happens, they're both going to be, you know, if one of them's the backup to the other, then there's some solid depth at middle yeah, because linebacker. Like that right now you've got before when David Aguebu, Shane Witter, out on the edge, true freshman. You've got Brian Mead, who is still somehow there. Brendan uh, Walker. 
Yeah, Brendan Walker Brendan from Bishop McGinnis. So, yeah, yeah, Bishop yeah. There McGinnis. you go, McGinnis represent. But uh, <laughs> um, Brendan Walker, he's up around two hundred and fifty pounds playing middle linebacker at about you know, six four. So he's around that size that you're talking about with the blade. They're about the size of the defensive go. ends. Jeez, mm-hmm. it's like playing a two four five. Lord of mercy. Um, but yeah, I mean, and there's a. I feel like this is the most hype a quarterback has ever gotten at Oklahoma, especially in the last 20 years, 30 years, probably easily that Spencer Rattler is bringing into like, I mean, like I mentioned, they, they were really happy. I remember like the news channel five did a special like, Oh, Tommy Grady committed to OU. And it was like a big deal. <laughs> it, but like, I remember thinking like, and yeah, he never played meaningful snaps. He played but in the arena football league. He, he was did. Oklahoma yard he dog, did. son. Yeah, that was that was really I thought that was really interesting. But I feel like there's not ever been a quarterback at Oklahoma. Maybe Kyler Murray, but it, but he was a transfer in. We already knew how what he could do that had this much hype. Um, other than you know Spencer Rattler. I mean, like who who are the best guys in OU history? Like they were in the last twenty years quarterbacking, like Sam Brapper was a three-star. Jason White was a three-star. Uh, Paul Thompson was a, an athlete that was a four-star. Uh, Landry was a four-star. but Landry he, was a pretty big recruit, yeah. He was a big yeah, deal. From Artesia, New yeah. Mexico. But, like, even, like, they have not had a person, like, with this, like, I mean, I was excited about Landry. Right, Rawls. But, man, they haven't had a no, dude with Tyler Murray. <clears throat> yeah. And just, like – there's just there's so much hype and we we all know that behind the doors and behind practice that Spencer Rattler is showing what he's doing and he would have probably been a starter had he come to OU in the spring last year and they would have probably not have taken Hertz uh, transfer and uh, so we all know that he is very talented so what I'm asking is if the marker is Baker Mayfield in 2015 where he shows you that he has got an elite arm, uh, that he's got some shake and some wiggle, but also he makes some boneheaded decisions sometimes and is a little reckless. If that's the marker, um, where where would you put Spencer Rattler's pending season? Would you put it ahead of the marker, or would you have him falling a little bit short of that? I would put it ahead of it largely because his offensive line – this season's going to be much better than the 2015 offensive line. The 2015 offensive line was yeah. good. Baker, but Baker was running life. for his yeah. life. That frequently. Tennessee game, holy yeah, crap. Yeah, that Tennessee game. Also, another thing with Baker is at that stage in his career, he was way too quick to scramble out of the pocket. He would bail way too quickly. Right. That That's not really the complaint with Rattler. The complaint with Rattler is that he is so confident in his arm talent that he forces some things. Yeah, especially downfield. Yeah, especially downfield. You're going to see a little bit of that. But also, overall, I mean, Baker Mayfield in 2015, he had, let's see, Sterling Shepard, who obviously was fantastic. Shep, Duran, Neal. He had um, Jeff Mead. Junior D.D. Westbrook, who D.D. was not the D.D. of 2015. So Baker's receiving core is a Mark whole Andrews, though. Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews was fantastic. But I would say overall, the talent in the receiving core better in 2020 than in 2015. See, oh, yeah. I, I feel like a lot. I feel so I feel like the talent was better in 2015. And the receiving it was more core, established. Across the board, 
I mean, like, I, I, I just really like what Shep brought. Uh, Mark Andrews uh, was special. Jerron Neal may Jerron have not. Jerron Neal was fine, but he I may mean, not be, he, he yeah, he may not have... be as talented as like Theo Weiss or Jaden Hazelwood. Exactly. See, that's the but thing. But he was I mean, like, like Steven said, like talent with he was established and knew the system a lot better. Uh, but who knows, like, once you play a year in the system, it gets a lot easier. Um, it's right, like, and that was their first year under that oh, yeah. offense. Yeah, because the Tennessee true. game seemed like almost a breakthrough of sorts. Um, and then after the Texas game, for sure. And I meant to ask this earlier. Do you guys feel like, because I keep, I, I doubted it from the start, but the more and more that comes out of camp, the more and more I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Do you guys feel like Marvin Mims has a Sterling Shepard freshman season-like impact? Uh, It's close. It's close. I'm going to lean more towards no right now just because of the amount of talent um, with, like, Rambo, Howard, uh, Weiss, those kind of guys. But if they weren't there, I mean, the sky's the limit, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he's someone who – He's going to carve out a niche in the slot yeah. for sure. But, I mean, he's got – there are so many guys on the outside who are viable targets. And then you have multiple guys at the – I guess the Y receiver, I guess the de facto tight end position at Oklahoma. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's someone who's capable of catching, you know, north of 40 balls this year. Yeah. So. yeah. I just think it's so interesting that, I mean, Oklahoma's been able to get guys that have literally rewritten Texas record books in the rushing category and like Rodney Anderson and dudes like Seth McGowan, um, the, getting guys that like Kyler Murray, the uh, transfer nonetheless, but he killed all the high school Texas quarterback records. And then getting a guy like Marvin Mims that was crushed all the Texas high school receiving records. So, I mean, how can you be an offensive player in the country? Look at the skill positions. Look at the receivers, quarterbacks, running backs, the offensive line. Hello, Tristan Lee. Like looking at how much production they're putting out and how like high level NFL guys they are putting out. And how would you not want to play in that system that the NFL is constantly coming by and asking you how you run your offense? Because that's the future of the NFL. Like exactly. I, I, it's I don't year see it. after year after year after year. And it always cracks me up whenever some national pundit is on television and some question comes up about question marks for the University of Oklahoma, and it's always, well, how is Oklahoma going to replace X skill position <laughs> yeah. player? After the Jalen Hurts season, Oklahoma I, recruits skill position players pretty well, and it's a pretty friendly offense for skill position players. Yeah. If you're hinging Oklahoma's win-loss record on whether they lost a good running back or a good wide receiver, you're an idiot at this point. I mean, you how many times do you have to be burned to understand that Oklahoma's offensive productivity is going to be very, 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 very good regardless of whether they have X running back or X wide mm. receiver at this point? I mean, after the Jalen Hurts season, it's it's pretty clear that this offense is like – foolproof right that this thing yeah. this thing legit like i'm just gonna say it jalen hurts got drafted in the second round if trevor knight is coached up by lincoln riley for two years trevor knight gets drafted in the first four <laughs> rounds i mean it's yeah i i mean his release wasn't it really 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 slow like jalen's release was very slow and in long and i feel like he uh could have somewhat fixed trevor knight to be more able passer than just like a guy that went to like what the was it like the AAF or whatever it was called yeah and it was like the third string Played guy that's like yeah that was weird but 
who's going to be the player that we aren't talking about right now, or maybe that that doesn't get their name shouted that much, but uh, is definitely somewhere in the depth. Who's going to be the player that we look back on the season and say, man, they had a, like, we didn't expect anything from them and they gave us some definite contributions. Oh man. Like think about Carson, offense like, and defense. Yeah. Either, either side of the ball. Like think about like Carson Meyer in his final season at OU. We're like, Oh man, there's no Mark Andrews. This is going to be weird. And Carson Meyer did a hell of a job that stepped in. I think the easy one would be like uh, someone like TJ Pledger. That's just now found his like, he's the primary mm-hmm. back. Um, has a few years in the system. <laughs> Um, kind of a twitchier guy more than more than uh, Kennedy Brooks. He could easily find a role and be a breakout player. What are you, Jack? Offensively, I, I am I allowed to go with a transfer here or a first year guy? Are we talking about yeah, guys who are ready fine. to break out? No, like no, no, you're good. Okay, I mean, because offensively, I I would probably say Theo Howard. Yeah, because he's not someone who. I guess everyone expected to be a major contributor back in February when he was uh, or whenever, when he decided to be a grad transfer, I guess maybe that was back in January, but because, you know, you had a healthy Hazelwood at that point and Mm. you thought that there were issues with uh, Howard's health at that point, it turned to be out to be vice versa, but um, yeah, yeah, Howard would be the one he's someone who played in horrible offenses at UCLA and was still very productive and, you know, someone who defenses had to key on in the Pac-12. So, I mean, he's someone who could play both inside and outside, someone who might be the most sure-handed receiver on the roster as well. So, I think, yeah, he's probably someone who could easily be Oklahoma's leading receiver this year, as Steven and I both said earlier. Defensively, I would say – I tell you what, I'd I'd say Deshaun White defensively, just because he's not he's someone who started last year. He's someone who also played a little bit as a freshman. He's been around, but he's never someone who has grabbed a lot of headlines. You know, his second year now with Alex Grinch, second year with Brian Odom coaching him up. Someone who is very instinctive as well. He's not as athletic as Kenneth Murray, obviously, but he's someone whose instincts to play inside linebacker have always been there. Yeah, I think he. I, I think he's got a great chance to lead the team in tackles this year. Man, I've been I've been fighting this urge for so long, and I think I'm just gonna give into it. I, I feel like, I feel like, Buki might actually have a really good season. I mean, not like he had a bad season last year, but he I was think typically he, in position to make plays last year. I mean, I he could, had it between the years last yeah. year, other than his, you know, from year that. one to year two, it was n- night and day as far as how he performed. Um, now, same amount of blackouts in the year, but uh, on the field. But uh, how he performed on the field was much better. And I feel like, man, this year he could be su- – this year I feel, I feel like it could be a boomer bust, really. Uh, he could either maybe not get on the field as a, as a starter. He might be a rotational guy. Uh, or he could be really, really elite in his role. Um, I mean, I've never seen a guy that that's – small like in a human package but that like that muscled up like i guess roy roy finch but i feel like buki like knows the playbook so i don't know but i think buki is gonna have a breakout year even though we've been saying that um man other things jamar kane like he hasn't even coached a down at ou like on in a game anyways and 
he's already being labeled as one of the coolest coaches um, and one of the most well-liked coaches on staff. And what what is playing into that? What, is it just his the, his ability to go out and get get a connection with teenage guys and like get their commitment? Like what it's what's the Scooby Doo graphics? <laughs> Man, those Scooby Doo graphics are good stuff. And like I I I I feel like part of it was like, oh, that's not related to Scooby Williams. But then like, of course that would have like, it would have to be that that's related to Scooby Williams. Like, or like he just, unless he just really likes Scooby-Doo, right? I think it, it has to be both. Yeah. Like, did you guys watch Scooby-Doo when you were kids? Oh yeah. I've been watching it on HBO Max. Oh yeah. Now. It's on HBO Max right now? Yeah. The whole, yeah. the whole series. Wow. Oh my gosh. I need to check that out. Um, did you did you guys remember watching like the Scooby Doo like the spinoffs like a pup named Scooby Doo on Cartoon Network? Yeah, he had the annoying little uh, Scrappy. Yeah, yeah Scrappy. Scrappy. Yeah, he was not a big fan of. Scrappy. And then I remember when the Scooby Doo live action movie came out, and I was a kid and I loved the hell out of that movie. <laughs> I never saw that one. What? No. Man, How, it's good. I think I was like two years older than you, so I don't think I was in the pocket there. <laughs> it doesn't hold up, Steve. It does not hold up. So, like, if I watched, I'd like this is really poorly made. But as a kid, it was incredible. Interesting. But they they do still have the uh, the animated movie, the zombie one. Mm, that's right. With I'll like Cajun cats. Ooh, weird. I'll, I'll tell you what movie holds up. Uh, I got two. Mrs. Doubtfire gets better with age, first of all. Mrs. Doubtfire is great. Oh, it's good. Like I, I got older and realized what like all the the sexual innuendos and like other <laughs> random things they were saying, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's incredible. And uh, so that one definitely holds up. And I watched I watched Sister Act for the first time in like maybe fifteen years the other day. That crap holds up too. Whoopi Goldberg is fantastic, and I, m- m- Professor McGonagall's in that movie is a nun. <laughs> Ah, yeah, it's it's just interesting stuff. But yeah, Jamar Cain's cool. I mean, it's just incredible to me that you know, former South Dakota State coach, uh, Coyotes, the Yotes. Yeah, and, oh no, uh, he was North Dakota State. Oh, he's he? North Dakota State. That's right. My bad. He had a yeah. he, a good a good pedigree of coaching. Yeah. Um, and then he's from the Sacramento area, and he gets on campus and uh, from Arizona State, I believe, uh, if I'm remembering right. And yeah, Arizona State. He all he's done is win recruiting battle after recruiting battle, and that's just like that's something the OU needs for Kane and Thibodeau to really tandem uh, and rebuild that defensive line. Because if you continually get stuff, do like, get dudes like Kelvin Gilliam um, and and other guys that they've been able to bring in, like Ronnie Perkins, Jalen Redmond, of course, and like you know Perry Winfrey, who's a JUCO guy. But if you continue bringing guys like those guys and especially the four and five star guys they're hosting for 2022. I mean, you are going to grow your chances for a national title a lot quicker than just doing it with three and a half star guys, but five star hearts. And um, going on about football, we talked about, you know, people being in the stands, 25% capacity. And uh, it, apparently this wasn't, it's not really news. This is just like, it's not news as much as it is just like it was reported like, oh, a member of the Pride tested positive for COVID, so there's no band camp. So, like, that makes sense. But what I was more getting at was I was thinking about what happened earlier this week or I guess late last week was that 
no pregame routine for the pride. So I keep on thinking of their band running out on the field, but the drum major getting to midfield and dragging his boots um, all the way to the end zone. Like that's something really special about game days. Uh, Halftime, me and Jack, we talked about it, can can piss off pretty much. Like it's not, not, right. not a fan of the pride of Oklahoma's <laughs> halftime. I, 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 you know, pregame, fantastic. They do a great job. I can count on one hand the number of times I've been entertained by their halftime. The Thriller one was good. Honestly, yeah, you would be Thriller in 07 was fantastic. That was my freshman year. Thriller was great. Other than that, it's usually like some show tunes or Phantom of the Opera something. Just something that I guess their band director likes to yeah. do, but it does not keep people in the seats at halftime at all. I mean, people are going to go, you know, socialize and stuff and like, like that, obviously. It's I mean, not – not, well, pocket shots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, it's it's not like Ohio State's band where it's like, oh, God, you've got to see this. And it's they're, interesting they, to me. The, the Pride's never done that. It's interesting to me because, um, you know, like, if, if you go to high school, like, high school bands, they they perform a show, but it's because those bands, they, like, they go to competitions with those shows. And so, like, it may not be – fan friendly but you go to yeah. college and it's a totally different game because i was in band in college and like it goes from really really serious in high school for some programs and i came from a really serious one um to college where like everybody is just like relaxing and everybody's just like there to have fun and mess around and so the band itself the program like they have like they have they're like their symphony classes and that's for like you know for music majors but like marching band is like its own class and you're there to have fun and you're there to entertain the crowd and like like you said jack like them throwing out phantom of the opera like at a damn football game of people named carl in their <laughs> 50s like yeah they don't we don't care or it's people like, named jack in their 30s i don't want to see it either <laughs> but like yeah, that's fair but it's just like yeah i i wholeheartedly agree that like man like they're only their cool the only cool, cool shows they've had are ones like during halloween when they have props or like thriller but that, that that's it so I, I totally feel that and man frats and frats and sororities I, i've i've seen actual videos of this uh, uh from campus that like frats and sororities are testing for COVID in unconventional ways. Uh, for example, <laughs> um, just to make sure that they have their sense of taste or to actually have lost their sense of taste, have like down like all kinds of like hot sauces and peppers and like sriracha and stuff like that. And like, or it's like nasty, weird water stuff. I don't know. Other random gross things. And like, if they can't taste it and it doesn't get hot or anything, they're like, yeah, I need to go get tested. Or that was yeah. their test. They're going to quarantine for the next two weeks. You can take a shot of 151 without gagging. Oh, God. COVID. <laughs> like, imagine imagine, cause, imagine being able to drink, like, Everclear. Like, Everclear. Have you ever is, taken a shot of Everclear? It's, yeah. <laughs> not good. It's, it's a, it's a unique, unique situation. Like, the first party I went to in college, uh, there was a lot, a lot of Everclear there. And... I remember thinking I like I didn't get as toasted as my roommate. Um, but like I remember thinking like somebody at the party saying, because we were like we were I was a sophomore and he was a my roommate was a freshman. And I remember thinking like, man, you got really, really messed up. And I was like, what do we what, what did we drink? And he was like, You didn't know? It's ever clear. I was like, and like me being the nerd that I never drank in high in high school, but I did in college. 
then I Googled it. I was like, oh my gosh, that alcohol content, it's no joke. And that's like, <laughs> that's why I feel the way I do. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, man, frats and sororities, gotta love it. And like, you know, Oklahoma frats are gonna get tested next week and sororities the same because Oklahoma started classes this week. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting. And I, I honestly, like, do you guys expect OU to be fully virtual in by the end of September? This I'd is, give it like two weeks. Yeah, this like, is by Labor of, Day, basically. Like, you see what's happening at North Carolina and what's happening at North Carolina State and throughout the ACC. I think it's a trend that's starting in the ACC. But I understand why some people have a problem with putting the student athletes on a pedestal and letting them stay on campus while the university goes virtual and why they're hesitant to do that. It's, it's a public relations thing strictly, but from a pragmatic perspective, you, it's a win-win because the students who should not be there in the first place, I mean, it's basically just a COVID factory right now. They shouldn't be there in the first place. They should be doing online classes. They should be at home doing all of that. The athletes, it's, it's been proven already that in this little bubble the programs are creating that they can avoid this. They've done a pretty good job of it when they've been able to avoid going home and stuff like that and avoid having other students on campus. If, you're, if you can get the regular student body off campus and keep the football players on campus – and have a football season and generate the revenue that comes with the television money. I, I don't see who loses in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I, I mean, I feel like you should just rip the bandage off and just do that right now. It's like you tell all the national merit scholars just to fuck off because they don't make yeah, the university millions do it, of dollars. Please. Yeah. David Bourne's not there anymore. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. Thank God David Bourne's not there anymore. He, yeah. Uh, <laughs> With all those kids around, but uh, uh, uh <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I I need to stop. I was I was about to go down a road about a so statue, COVID. uh, uh, but yeah, COVID man, uh, not not just wiping out sororities at OSU, but uh, Lincoln Riley expressed today that a position group had been like some basically wiped out for a minute uh because of covid because of one covid test and from what i understand it's the offensive line and i mean steven could you back me up on that it sounds like that is likely the case there there might be like you know maybe the defensive line guys got it too but uh right now it sounds like the offensive line is really uh, struggling yeah and i know creed i don't think creed tested positive but i think he's like one of the only ones yeah, I'm not sure because he was in the practice photos the other day, mm-hmm. so I think he's good to go. And hell, like even even if you don't test positive, in your your that position group's just decimated. Like, how much practicing are you really getting in if you're Creed or some whoever didn't test positive? It's just like that's why on Twitter today I was like, well, thank God that the offensive line um, is the most experienced bunch, pretty much on the yeah. team. That's that's the that's really the only positive that can come out of that. Other than that, they well, got it and again and will not get it for maybe three months. Right, Jack. What do you think? Say it again, one more time. So like, about about the offensive line, like 
wouldn't you think that out of all the groups for to be decimated by COVID for that 10 day period, the offensive line, I mean, of course, like safe, like long-term health concerns that they do oh, develop. Oh, yeah. They would be the ones yeah. that you're not the most worried about that. Like, yeah, like for mean, example, have, if Spencer Rattler catches it. You're like, Oh, Holy crap. Yeah. Like, I mean, the offensive line, you, you have five returning starters on the offensive line. They don't need practice reps. Those guys are good. I mean, the only one I can think of who really, really needs practice reps who could play a big role this year is probably like someone like Stacy Wilkins. Yeah. Right. That's fair. But even if Stacy Wilkins is a little behind, you can still roll with, Eric Swenson for a few games. Yeah, yeah, and, and Eric Swenson will have a full two arms this year instead of like the one and a half <laughs> yeah. he had last year. That so help. it's good. Um, Brett McMurphy tweeted this out the other day. Uh, he said that Bob Bowlesby said basically if there's no football in the fall, that Big Twelve schools are just going to pack it in and not play any sports uh, uh, at all for the 2020 2021 I mean, year. It, it is subsidizes those sports. I was about so to say, yeah, are you, were sense. you just about to take a loss for that season and just like shut down all of the operations to save face monetarily because of what football can bring your programs? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And like, that's not surprising at all. If you're Kansas, would you entertain playing in another conference for basketball? Uh, I think you would. Cause for that's your big year. money sport. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, who knows? It kind of goes back to the other athletic directors. Would they allow Kansas to do that? I feel like I feel like the Big Twelve. I feel like they would, but at the same time, I feel like they've made a couple smart decisions in a row that were due for something really stupid. <clears throat> That's true. They've kind of surprised me with their competence lately. With the with the oh, we're gonna go forward the football season. Oh, we're also going to double down on medical supplies. That way we can all like get through this at least halfway through the season. It's like, okay, you are showing the Big Ten up. And then like you've got that linebacker from Vanderbilt that opted back into the season because of more advanced research that's coming out. And he goes and, to Vanderbilt, so you know he's smart. So yes, I mean, there's, there's credibility. There. <laughs> that that's a legitimate that's a legitimate thing. Uh, the, those kids they can't play football, damn, but they're smart say. as hell. Uh, but. It's just really, really interesting, and I mean, I, I would think Kansas, maybe like a school, I don't know, Iowa State probably not, because although Iowa State basketball is big, so is football. They have the, the second biggest stadium, third biggest stadium? It's third now, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but, sad, frankly. But, but definitely but, yeah. Kansas basketball. Do you think West Virginia would still play, bas- uh, would still play basketball too somewhere else? Nah. No, no, if Iowa State wouldn't, then West Virginia wouldn't. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Think. Kansas is the only school that. Would yeah, they're really they're like the only one that basketball thing. funds things. It's kind of like yeah, Duke, yeah, North Carolina. Pretty much. Yeah, okay. I mean, even schools that are really great at basketball, Texas Tech's great at basketball. I mean, Texas Tech doesn't make like Texas Tech's basketball program probably doesn't even make like a tenth of what the football program makes. That's even fair. The football program is trash. So it's all about and, TV money, and basketball is TV money. It's it's all about the NCAA tournament, pretty much, and that's you know. That's for a few weeks a year. And this is what we talked about earlier, like with North Carolina ripping off the Band-Aid. And it's like, listen, y'all, you need to understand football is the most popular sport in the United States. And these guys, uh, they make millions of dollars at the university. And then, of course, that's going to lead into all the other shit show of, of logistics and uh, getting paid uh, as a player on the university campuses because you're like, hey, 
we've got 90 men on scholarship or whatever. Uh, we've got scholarship limits, but also more guys on top of that. And they're bringing in millions of dollars uh, as somewhat almost like employees. And yes, they have their contracts in scholarship form uh, that let them not pay thousands of dollars in tuition as opposed to millions upon millions of dollars in revenue. So it's pretty interesting that that, that case that the incident was having on their hands right now. And it's going to be even more uh, coming to fruition when we don't have a pandemic happening. But Fox is doing a lot of replays over the last season because we have football. We, uh, f- football like week is in two weeks. It's incredible. Um, and they replayed OU Baylor, uh, the regular season game where Jalen Hurts got a win in Waco uh, from way behind. And the Dick, Nick Benito uh, sealed that game after uh, we thought he lost the seal to the game. <laughs> Like that was that was a that was a very emotional two play series for me because I was I think I was on the I was on the Twitter on the Twitter that night you for, were that night yeah and you did I was, a good job it was very doom and gloom the first half and like yeah yeah that was that was I was like he they're gonna lose us the game now and then he the very next play it right back to him so kudos to Nick Benito for saving that but and then they showed the Big Twelve title game against Baylor as well so two totally different feelings but equally uncomfortable at the end <laughs> like that these games are incredibly tight um and so i was gonna ask you guys and i get i'll go with you first jack where, where where were you for both of these games and what do you remember distinctly around you maybe not even during the game but what do you remember around you happening going on when those games were happening to us i was in the stadium for both of them and Whoa. i i would i will say that was the first time i'd ever been to waco for a football game I hate Baylor. I hate a lot of what they stand for. I, I, I mean, obviously they've had. I thought they of, stood for Jesus. Sick of Jesus. Really. They said that before the game. Remember they did. that? But, they um, sealed their fate at the beginning. That was that was something. Um, you know, they were hospitable as hell. Their fans were super nice. It it was a fun time, and their tailgating scene obviously. Not as good as most schools around the country, but it was still very good. And they're set up with the Brazos River. Mm. Highly recommend going there at least once. It's really cool. It's, it's really a like cool that. situation. It the, really is. The toilet, their, their, their stadium looks like a toilet bowl, though. It do, no, well, it's a nice stadium, though. It really it's is. Nice. It, it, it's, it's one of the best stadiums I've been to college-wise. I mean, it's not very big. No, but, it's, it but it's fun. Big. It's functional. It feels big because it has those three decks. But um, my friend Gary and I, we nearly left. I don't blame you. We went down 28-3. And then OU scored the t- had the touchdown drive with Stogner, and we were like, okay, cool. And then OU obviously came out of the gate in the second half and immediately was a threat again. So, it you know, really good crowd there, though. Pretty loud. Yeah. Um. Yeah, pretty much most of what I remember about that first game. Also, I didn't dress for the weather for that game at all. <laughs> we were in the upper deck, and the Damn wind it. started right, right off the rock, right the brothos. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and it was like forty-five degrees and windy, and I had like a very mm. light pullover on. Mm. Not good enough. Not good. And, oh, and the, God, after the game, um, we had an Uber trying to come pick us up. You know, it's a post-game college football situation. It's you always a mess. Know. Yeah, it's 
our Uber driver is not showing up. And it, it's risky at that point to cancel an Uber and try to flag another down because you don't know if you're going to be able to get another one. Yes. Right. So we find out later that our Uber driver, she had dropped someone off at the strip club in Waco and was just hanging out drinking at the bar oh, hell yes. with the people, her previous customers, after she had accepted our fare. We nice. were standing outside for like 45 minutes waiting for this woman to leave the titty bar. <laughs> oh, and, I, man. and out in this cold weather, we're trying to, you know, go celebrate this victory. And we weren't able to because, I mean, you know, God blessed her. She was having a good time. Yeah, man. Hanging out at, you know, <laughs> different strokes for different folks. Club. Yes, literally. But like, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was an odd it was an odd trip for sure. And we oh, and we met another Uber driver who I think was knew some of the Branch Davidians. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Because we, we well, kind of, and like we brought it up and we were kind of like making jokes <clears throat> about it. And she was like, "Yeah, my friend was there." Ooh, I was like, "What the David. fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very odd hey, deal. Hey, that series on Netflix is really good, good. with Tim pretty Riggins good. playing David. Yeah, Tim Riggins was good. And Michael Shannon was really good in it too. Um, a lot of people from Boardwalk Empire in it actually. Yeah, that was but, a good um, series for the summer. Yeah, really good. Um, then the championship game. Mm. The whole time I'm thinking, God, if we lose this fucking game, I am yeah, I was thinking that too. My mind. I was the what, we was the stadium like seventy thirty sixty forty OU. It felt like there was so much there more crimson, were, but their fans were so damn loud. Baylor, yeah, exactly. And Baylor ran like 50-something offensive plays, and only, I think, 20-something in the low 20s were for positive yardage. That's how well OU's defense was playing. And it was still close as hell. there were those two or three weird defensive breakdowns that caused it to be a close game, plus Jalen Hurts turning it over. Mm -hmm. In the worst spots. He ain't even doing that for half of the season. Yeah, unreal. Unreal. also, end of that game, overtime when OU was on defense. That was special. One of the loudest yeah. times I've ever heard an OU fan. That was, it was probably fantastic. the most hyped to have been about an OU defense really in a very long time. Like really It was just fun. like, it was fun because you knew they, the whole it, crowd knew that OU yeah. was probably going to get a stop. They knew, and, and they Baylor knew OU was running with their prayer. ears pinned back. Fucking Jalen Redman stunting and twisting and like, ugh, yeah. oh man, they're breaking with through. With a hurt shoulder. That's incredible. Dislocated shoulder. Incredible. Popping it back in all game. Yeah, and they they, they ended the game on like on two consecutive kind of like quarterback stuffs. So one was a sack, and one just tossed it in the air. They didn't go into the first down marker, but yeah, real special, man. That was that was a really fun defensive. I was anxious as hell, but that was a fun yeah. series. Steven, where where were you at? What do you remember from both these games? So for the first game. Uh, it was some, it was one of my friend's birthdays and, uh, he chartered a party bus to Aishan's mm. in Okarchi. So, Good uh, choice. so we, me and a few people had to figure out, we brought an iPad with like LTE to try to watch the game on the party bus and it didn't work because oh, I guess Okarchi doesn't have good cell towers. So we were kind of intermittent between, you know, getting there, going to Okarchi, watching the game, just watching OU completely fall apart mm -hmm. uh, in the first half. And then on the way back, we were going to Cowboys, and we finally got signals. So we're starting to watch, you know, 
maybe like every third play and OU starting to make a comeback and we get inside Cowboys for like the last maybe five minutes of the game and the place just went insane. Like <laughs> once, once Benito got that interception, it was, it was insane. I've never seen an entire club just blow up like that. Incredible. What about the but I was also game? just like, I was trying to get on Twitter and I was like, I was pretty drunk. So I was trying to make my tweets look good, but I, was yeah. like, I don't even know if this I spelled this right. I remember, oh man, I was I was drunk after that game. I I remember waking up the next day to a picture that I think I sent in a group chat that you were involved in. I was wearing like a backwards hat, a leopard print vest with like <laughs> <laughs> my eyes were like rolling in the back of my head. <laughs> oh man, <Just> possessed. <laughs> I would. I was clearly not in my right mind, but uh, yeah, man, that that was that game. Like, ugh, I was gone, but I was also like in shock. It's a, it's incredible. What about what about the title game? I think I watched it like Vanessa House or some brewery in OKC. Nice. It wasn't anything special. I just you know I was just chilling because they have a huge TV. Mm. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll just go watch the game there and do some Twitter and stuff like that. And I think for the most part, it felt like OU was you know just coasting. To yeah. another Big 12 championship. And then what's his name? Zeno or Zeno? Jacob Zeno. He had like two completions for like 185 yards or something <laughs> ridiculous. And I was mm-hmm. like, what is going on? Like, it would have been ridiculous. 200 if not for Trey Brown. <laughs> Denzel Mims down. Yeah, of all incredible. people, a very fast human being. It's like Mike Stoops like just snuck into the press box. Just to, took control of that uh, couple of series right there. So, and I remember I I because I I watched it and I forgot that Mims on that play had to change his jersey to number I think twelve because there was uh, uh, Zeno whatever was already fourteen or so, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I remember thinking to myself, did these guys know this was mims because he was wearing a different jersey uh, i don't know but uh, that sounds maybe stupid but like because you still recognize the face across from you but like it, i don't know i was thinking that's that's incredible and uh some people think that trey brown's not a good player even though he is very fast which do you want to name those people i mean like brady's not a big fan of trey brown <laughs> and i can see he's not a big fan of many people in trey brown's well, defense. Brady's a fan of me. He's a I good like dude. Brady. I'm a fan of Brady, he's a, but he's, he's not a, f- a fan of many people. He's he's not a fan of stoop sympathizers. Correct. And that's that's fine. That's fine. What do you, do you guys think Trey Brown's a good player? He's a decent player. Yeah, Is he, he, he's not a. Should he be starting at the University of Oklahoma? In um, two in two years, he should not be the caliber of player that's starting at the University of Oklahoma. Right. For, for now, he's <clears> fine. Like, if he was in the SEC, what school would he be able to start for? Oh. Arkansas, off the top of my head first. Um, Vanderbilt. See the issue? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the issue is right there. I'd, probably, I'd say more than those schools, though. I mean, like the Big might. Ten, it would be Michigan, Ohio State, would it? No, I don't, it wouldn't definitely be Penn not State. Ohio State. Um, It'd be like – Probably not at Michigan either. Not, probably yeah, wouldn't probably, be Iowa because of how unfriendly they are to certain I, people. I'd say other than those three Wisconsin schools. maybe. Wisconsin yeah, maybe. I'd say Wisconsin, yeah. <clears throat> but like, oh man, I mean, and he's 
picked off several passes in practice. So maybe, I don't know, maybe they're, maybe they're actually catching balls now. I mean, not just actually dropping them, but actually catching them. That would be, that would go a long <laughs> way to get turnovers. Uh, but yeah, man, that I remember being on the Twitter for the, the game in Waco and it was all doom and gloom. I was, I was progressively like drinking more and more as the game went on, of course, <laughs> because I was like this is hell and I, I just remember thinking like I remember feeling numb at one point and I was like it's it, it, I had already gotten past the phase of man this sucks I I got to the point of like it was like comedic as far as like all the bad things that were happening I was like yeah that sounds about right and you sure they weren't shocked and then I remember thinking because they scored before halftime they got a touchdown and I remember thinking well and I tweeted it out and I got shit on for it uh, i was like you know what if oh you could actually get a touchdown to start the second half which they fumbled in the end zone but actually got it back uh i was like they could actually make this a game and like so many people were saying like how full of shit i was and like if i was even watching was the game i was like version of michael cage's just a few more stops basically yeah yeah and it it was it, it was just in, I was like you know it could happen just like if they get a, if they get a touchdown out of a half it could happen who knows we, that's a long game and with the way Lincoln Riley uh, runs offense and uh, of course we got crapped on and uh, we were all negative that night for deserved reasons and um, it just I got super drunk and the next thing you know I'm like oh my god like OU has had the ball the entire fourth quarter how is this happening. And uh, so that was really special. Uh, I don't remember a lot of it, but it was really fun. That like, and then it's I got a to big write game the for young guys. Yeah, it was especially yeah, uh, Weiss, Bridges, yeah. Hazelwood. Those dudes really sh- uh, showed Sorry, out. Feel Weiss, man. He's got Only some two moves. Catches, but he made it count. He's got some moves. I really like what he is going to be able to do. And the, being able to write that, uh, go to the Baylor message boards and the, oh. the, to, to write the Baylor meltdown piece. That was the first meltdown of the year, wasn't it? You or was up, no, no, Texas was the, the Texas first game one. was, but that it. one was fun. You came up with that idea. I remember walking through the fair and getting a text from you saying, Hey, should I write a meltdown thread for Texas fans? I was like, yes, immediately. Yeah, that's so fun. And you, you had it done within like an hour or two and we were able to, I was, I published it on my phone. And it was very well received, so we kept doing it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We're gonna keep this, doing that. Forever. This Baylor one was so good. I remember laughing my ass off at. They're like, "What the like? What are the players doing? Talk about Chip and Joanna at halftime? Like, what <laughs> Chip and Joanna gains?" And I was just like losing my mind because like they were like, "There's some really really nice Baylor fans." They're like, "Go Bears!" Uh, try your best we're gonna win and i was like that's that's great and then the the other ones are like oh, i'm sick and tired of getting our shit shoved in by the sooners every year just in the program <laughs> it's so good you you could tell because like i didn't start when the, the shift happened i started like at the beginning of the game and you work yeah. your way through the game so you could tell immediately see the when it starts shifting and then you can tell when nick benito gets he drops the first interception and they're like oh my god that was a close one but we're still gonna win this game and then the very next play is everybody's saying fuck it's it's just so good and then uh man the conference championship game i was there um uh we were in one of the suites and it was a that was a weird game because again like like you said jack like it was filled with sooner fans and we were expecting seventy five percent. Yeah, it was. There was so much crimson, and 
it was really loud when the Sooners had something to cheer about. But man, the Baylor fans, they were they were small, but like in like as far as the groups you traveled in, but they were so loud. It was like deafening uh, as far as like uh, when they did something big too. It was, it was just crazy, and that game was just like if you man, if you just had a quarterback that just made the right reads, like an Alex Smith type. If OU had a game manager like an Alex Smith, they win that game by three touchdowns. It shouldn't have not been close, but they're just missed opportunities and turnovers. But that game was way more frustrating than it needed to be, but in the end, still really awesome. And Kenneth Murray knocked out a quarterback and is, I believe, on – I think he uh, was on uh, Hard Knocks uh, Monday or whenever it was. I haven't seen the latest episode. So the I'll third episode I need to watch. But, uh, yeah, I think he's in the third episode, which is really, really cool. Speaking of Hard Knocks, have you guys seen the OSU version of no. Hard Knocks? It's on ESPN+. Plus. I haven't. Is it good? Should I check it out? It, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes into um, some of their players testing positive for COVID. Mm. after. Who was it who tested positive after the uh, protest in Tulsa? Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, my yeah. gosh. It's, <laughs> yeah, it – it sounded like they the were, guy from the guy that has the same name as uh, Okoronkwo, Obanaya. Anyway, the crew from ESPN was on campus when this was going on, and mm. basically the crew had to quarantine after this happened. And they did a Zoom call with Amen, and he was he he wasn't just positive; he had the symptoms and everything. Mm. And so they have the recording of the Zoom call with him breaking out in sweats and stuff like that, and. Uh, yeah, they, and it goes into all of their um, COVID nineteen protocol stuff hmm. like that. It, it, it I forgot about it, that. I remember them talking about it. Yeah, I I don't think this the second episode it didn't go into everything with Gundy and the OAN shirt. Mm. I feel like the next episode <laughs> is where that happens. So yeah. that should be good television. But it, it's oh, it's man. pretty good. It's. I don't know if you guys watched it last year. The they did it with Kansas and Les Miles. This I watched that. I watched that one. It yeah, I watched good. that one. I, I enjoyed it. It's basically this, but with OSU football. It, it's enjoyable. Interesting. I might check that out actually tonight. Uh, yeah, that'd be a good thing. Worth checking out. The episodes are like fifteen minutes long, so it's not. It doesn't take up much time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, in in the recent events of Oklahoma. Uh, not hosting Caleb Williams, but the Williams family hosting recruits on campus, which is just amazing in its own. Just like that's gonna that's gonna force a lot of hands uh, for staffs, and that's they're gonna start doing stuff like that all around the country. Uh, Michigan's already planning something. Yeah, I think, trendsetter. You know, trendsetter University of Oklahoma. They're synonymous with one another. But uh, you guys ever been to an empty like OU stadium? Like you actually walked into it and it was empty. Yep. Yeah. I think once. I, I have too. So like, like when, because the, it's the, kind of beautiful. The it's, main it's gripe, bad. the main gripe after Cedar Summit was like, so you're telling me they walk into an empty stadium? Like, uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, yes, I've done that several times. Like even and in 2016 when Pokemon Go was running, holy crap, there were so <laughs> many people in the stadium, and like to the point where like I remember a Twitter story it's, somebody got speaking locked. Speaking of in. which. It's always been open to the public. Yeah. So let's just yeah. end this conversation that's on Twitter. It's just the practice you can fields literally that are like have guards. Into the stadium all the time. It's not a big deal. Like you see people running steps all the time. That's a normal thing. So like literally yeah. anyone who attended the university can tell you this. Like you, you, you literally. It's like across from where that shuttle would take uh, students behind, like the 
oh, the George Lynn Cross building and stuff like that. And like the gates are open. You can go onto the field. So, yeah. and also, like and you said, Jack, it's just something about it. Because they have yeah. lasers that will set off an alarm. But during the day, you can yeah. go on the field. It's That's just, correct. And like you say, it's, it's really, really cool to go out there just like to get on the ground level and look at everything else. Like, like that's, it's, it, you don't see how like massive the stadium is until you're actually on ground level about how many fans they can pack in that, especially since they close the end zone in. Really, really cool. Um, this was a Twitter trend. I thought it was intriguing because uh, I feel like my answer was kind of generic as a growing up a Sooner fan. So tw- Twitter trended that, you know, without revealing your age, um, saying the name or posting a picture of your first favorite athlete. So who I was going to ask you guys what your first or who your first favorite athletes were growing up. First, maybe, I don't know. Quentin Griffin's one of them. Mm-hmm. I remember all the kids uh, trying to get Jersey 22. Yeah. I would say Donovan McNabb, maybe. I was a big Eagles fan as a kid for some reason. Oh, man. I forgot Donovan McNabb. Threw up on the field at OU when he was at Syracuse. Yeah. Threw up on the AstroTurf. <laughs> oh, yeah. Vomited. That's right. OU won that day. That OU did not win a single game in 1996 at home. Didn't win a single home game. And then the next year, 97, they beat, I guess it was number 24, Syracuse at home, and they stormed yeah. the field. Yep. yep. Different time. Um, Thank God. But anyway, yeah, Donovan McNabb threw up on the field that day. Um, for me, Ryan Miner. I don't know if either wow. of you remember Ryan Miner. Um, I was an OU basketball fan before I was an OU football fan, as far as, like, emotional investment was concerned. Hmm. Just because OU football, when I was a kid in the '90s, they were they were so bad. Oh, that it's makes hard sense. To get, it's and, hard to get a was little there and they were really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And well, he was minor. Was the tail end of the Tubbs era in yeah. the first year of Kelvin Sampson. Yeah. So, like two and, really great basketball coaches at OU. Yeah. I mean, he he averaged over twenty a game both his junior and senior year, if I recall correctly. I mean, he was a really he was like a six seven wing. I mean, mm. he was. Really, really good scorer. He was drafted by the Sixers, I want to say. But obviously, he went and played baseball and is now the answer to the greatest trivia question in all of Major League Baseball. Who was the person who replaced Cal Ripken Jr. when he broke his Ironman streak? Oh, it was Ryan Miner. Um, Man, they got a hell of a life, apparently. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah. What, what town in Oklahoma? He was from like a tiny town in Oklahoma, I think. Hammond or something like that. I don't like even a, know. He and his brother Damon. Damon was a better baseball player than he was even, but uh, he played for the Giants for a long time. That's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, both of them won a natty with OU baseball, actually. Um, but I was a fan of him as a basketball player because he was yeah fantastic, and I was a huge OU basketball fan. So he was probably my first favorite athlete. I had, I had his jersey, his OU basketball jersey and stuff. So I remember growing up, and I remember – so my first favorite player to watch – was uh roy williams just seeing what he could do uh in 2000 and 2001 especially was incredible but the first player i really really thought was like really cool and that they were my favorite player and when i went to football uh went to play for like football in junior high and before um i would always ask for number 11 because i thought teddy layman was the coolest linebacker like he was he had track athlete speed he wasn't you know he had already made a name for himself won awards like it's just 
it's a, so Teddy Lehman was my first dude that I got Jersey uh, and wanted my Jersey to be after him. But uh, Roy Williams was my actual first ever athlete to watch like in awe of how good he was, even with the Cowboys. Uh, so it's cool. But going along with the NFL stuff, Parno Motley has been picking off Tom Brady and down in Tampa, man. And so it's, it, it's incredible. It really is incredible that, he went undrafted, and he was very high on several people's boards to be drafted in at least the fifth, sixth round, and he just went undrafted and looks like maybe to be a steal. Honestly, the way he defended Jamar Chase alone should have got him drafted. Right, Honestly, yeah. like I mean, he obviously had his hiccups when he was playing for Mike Stoops, but – He canceled during, out everybody. This even time. during that time, he had a great nose for the football – and had a knack for creating turnovers at that point and making plays. And then when he actually has a competent defensive coordinator and a cornerbacks coach who allows the cornerbacks to look back for the ball and not yeah, just – Seems important, right? Yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> anyway, he was, he was fantastic last year. Yeah, he, he was. was. He was one really of the best good. cover corners in the country. He I'm was like one of the highest – like highest, highest uh, PFF really, yeah. rating Very quarterbacks high. in the country. He was. So do you think that? Do you think that just because of? I mean, like it seems rational. Yeah, because of what he put on the field prior to this last season, that they're like, yeah, maybe not. We'll give him a, you know, an undrafted free agent thing. But like, man, like how but do you? It how have do you been worth at least a late round? Pick. Yeah, how do you ignore yeah. that? How do you ignore that? Especially like looking at film of what he did and, to every receiver. Granted, his his pro day did not help. True, he did not run that well, and he he's not a huge guy either. His he's not you know he's not six two, probably like six foot, maybe five eleven, somewhere in that range. So that part of it's understandable, but his playmaking ability is off the charts. Is Tampa Bay even going to make the playoffs? I mean, I know they have Brady and they have Gronk, but we've seen these quarterbacks that are usually that, you know, have been really good, but are past their prime, go to other teams to maybe make them good. Do it, you think they're pl- going to be a good team or a playoff it, team? See, the thing is, it's not like their division's that good. That's true. That division's rarely that great. I, I feel like they could at least catch a wild card spot. Man. It's just, it's just, I mean, I, I mean, like, I know a lot of, a lot of you guys, uh, I play a lot of fantasy football and I imagine you guys may dabble mm-hmm. who should be my first selection uh, <laughs> of my fantasy draft. Like last year, last year we had a group chat that uh, had fantasy football and I think I had the number one overall pick or a second or something like that. And I took Pat Mahomes. So one of our chief uh, buddies couldn't pick Pat Mahomes and I got <laughs> shit on all over until I almost won the entire damn league. So suck it. Mark Andrews saved my ass. He was like a sixth round pick. It was a really good, solid choice for me. But who should I pick first overall this year if I get in the first round? So you're saying you have the number one pick overall? Yep. Um, I mean, you could always roll back with McCaffrey. The thing about McCaffrey is he's had so much snaps that – you know, he's bound to have an injury at some point mm-hmm. with that with that wear and tear. That's fair. What That's about Saquon? See, Saquon's Saquon, a good pick. The, he, he'll be good, but the offense in New mm-hmm. in 
with the Giants just isn't going to be productive enough. Is he going to have enough touchdowns? Right. I'm not sure. So that's the one thing. You've got to pick a running back who was in a productive offense for the most part. And James so, Conner would be really good if he didn't have James injury Connor, concerns. Yeah, he, he, he'd still be a pretty good one, though. Um, I would, Clyde edwards Elair might be a good one because mm. Damian Williams opted out. Oh, yeah. So, Clyde edwards Lair might be a very good He's RB1 over there. Yeah, he's going to be RB1. Wow. Nick Chubb, maybe. Chubb's Nick good Chubb one. would be good. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know, man. Good. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Remember when Arian Foster was good? Yeah. For like that was a year fun. Or two? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was real fun for a year or two. Oh, how times have changed. I, I miss Mar. I I really missed Marshawn Lynch being in the league, and then he came oh, back yeah. in twice as funny and less as productive, but still works. Still works. But man, uh, the Thunder in the NBA playoffs—they are actually—they're like one of the actual series that are like it's not it's it's there's not like a four zero sweep or a gentleman's sweep. Uh, that's like a really entertaining series, and we got one this James evening. James Harden pushing over the sanitizer was just chef's kiss. James Harden, <laughs> I, I, yep. I mean, and I don't, ha- I don't hate James Harden at all. I don't yeah, think no. most people in Oklahoma City have a beef with them, really. Well, shit, like Oklahoma I, City fans should like the yeah, Houston team, it, considering it yeah. was the original Oklahoma City team. That's true. Yeah, it's Harden, <laughs> Tabo, uh, Westbrook, Jeff. and uh, yeah, Jeff Green. Yeah. Jeff Green's lighting it up. Holy and hell. Tyson Chandler should have been an OKC Thunder, That's too. That's true. He failed that physical. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you – oh, God. Yeah. That, what could is have that been with him as the center? Yep. They did. Yeah, I mean, and then you have, thun- like, super Thunder loyalists who are like, oh, but if we would have gotten Tyson Chandler, we wouldn't have gotten Kendrick Perkins. Oh, no. Are you out of your mind? Tyson Chandler won Defensive Player of the Year with the Mavs, and they won a title. He's, and it was competent offensively. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. what are you uh, – uh, Yeah. The, oh, you want to switch fans, a Defensive Player Thunder of the Year for Kendrick Perkins? It took like five or ten years for Thunder fans to be intelligent. We're it finally took, there, I Chris, think, Chris but, Paul, man, he's doing it to the fans, too. Making it work. Yeah. I mean – None like Chris Paul said it a million times. Nobody expected us to be here, which is fine. So like, if the Thunder lose, I'm fine with that. We were not supposed to be here, but there's just something so sweet to give the Houston Rockets fans pause. Like after just completely crapping on this, and then now you reunite Westbrook with Harden, and like, oh, we're playing nothing but small ball, and they're the ones that are supposed to be in the top four seeds. And if they should lose the series to the Thunder, there's so there's so many storylines with the Thunder trading away you know, Harden and Westbrook, and then the pick that they got from the Rockets that basically was the Harden pick, Stephen Adams, and there's just so much to it with Chris Paul, and it's fun. Have you guys been watching the playoffs like right now? So like, listening to it a little or, bit. Yeah, I I've took been, a nap when I got home a little bit, and. When I when I I don't when I have fell asleep, playoff fever right now. I'll you don't say that. okay. It's just that's a that's fair. Different. That's fair. When I, when I, I, I fell mean, asleep, following it, but it's just not. Yeah, I'll check. I'll check the games. The like for example, if if it's like a three one series or three zero series, I'm tuning out. But like yeah. earlier, I I I saw the Utah and Denver and Utah being the lower seed, and they were on the entire game. I took a nap and then I woke up and Denver won. Uh, the Oklahoma City series is a fun one. The Dallas Clippers series. I mean, besides this game, that the Clippers are just destroying <laughs> See, that one, Dallas. 
but that Dallas, one's really intriguing too. Oh, Clippers are destroying them right now. Oh yeah, by thirty. Oh but, wow! Okay. But Dallas, That's Dallas, 40. Dallas could have been up three one in this series yeah. if the the Chris Stapp's been wouldn't have been ejected uh, that other game. It's like that's. That, that's it's it's been fun i mean the games that have been competitive but of course you have games like the lakers just destroying the blazers after that first game and it's just a it's, it's it gives us something as people to look forward to especially with with the nba title coming around the corner like imagine if the nba bubble never restarted and we'd have this shit show of baseball happening oh god right no, i i, I... See, I'm not I'm not a baseball hater by any means. I, I genuinely I appreciate the sport, <laughs> but I have I have watched zero baseball games this year. Good. I I can't do it. Not right now. That's a healthy choice. It yeah. is. It is. It really is. But man, that's that's all I've got today. Have you guys got anything else? I think I'm good. Oh, one uh, thing. Uh, Alan Kenny podcast later this week he's interviewing the guy who wrote lincoln riley's book sounds cool so that should be a good list yeah steven uh i kind of left it off so i'm gonna just play it off as uh as trying to get you to listen to the end of the podcast um the overall vibe coming out of the sooner summer was pretty pretty impressive um just from talking to a couple people i think um it's kind of uh, got, kind of got glossed over with the drama of who's following who and should they be on campus or should they not be on campus. Um, but you know the overall vibe and just you know talking around people who were there and people that kind of have connections there. It's it's put OU in a really really good spot for for some of the elite guys. Tristan Lee, come on down. With Bryce Foster, oh God! Imagine getting those two guys and Bill Bidenbo wasn't recruiter of the year. It's like it's like Dennis Simmons getting three five star receivers. And Burke. I mean, you know, it's garbage. But yeah. I think that about does it. So give us a follow at crimsonandcreamation.com. Um, follow Jack on Twitter. There's at Larry Shields or the main account at CC Machine. I'm at Cameron CCM. You can follow Stephen L. You updated SB. Um, guys, thank you for listening so much. Like we are so close to football season. Like high school football starts, I think next week, next Friday, uh, which is pretty intriguing. And then the week after that, I mean, it's it's game week, and it's it's, it's really exciting. Labor Day is approaching us really quickly. Uh, I'm really excited for that, and I'm really excited to bring you guys more content. And then when the season arrives, when OU plausibly beats Missouri State's ass, me and Stephen will have a post game podcast for you guys and. Run iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Go ahead and give us a five-star rating, and we really appreciate it. And we will check you guys later.